The Bowery Boys, episode 73, Webster Hall, The Devil's Playhouse. Hey, it's the Bowery Boys. Hey. The Bowery Boys is brought to you by Eurocheapo.com. Eurocheapo editors personally visit and review the best budget hotels in Europe. Now with hotels in New York City. On the web at Eurocheapo.com. Happy New Year. Welcome to this mini episode of the Bowery Boys. I'm Greg Young. In 2008, the Landmark Preservation Committee put a lot of new buildings on their list. If you happen to be glancing down that list of all the buildings that were officially made New York landmarks, I'm guessing your eye probably abruptly stopped when it got to Webster Hall, which officially received its landmark designation in March of last year. Webster Hall is a performance space and nightclub today in the East Village, located at 125 East 11th Street between 3rd and 4th Avenues. Today it's known for dance parties and ladies' nights, and while there are newer, flashier clubs in the city by far, it's as reliable today for great live music acts, and of course the drunken college students that often accompany them. Just a few weeks ago, in fact, I I happened to walk by and I think I saw somebody barf in the gutter right outside. And so you must be thinking, this is what they're calling a landmark these days? Well, believe it or not, Webster Hall is actually way overdue to being named a New York landmark. In its 128-year history, the hall has entertained the most radical elements of Jazz Age New York. It served as a sounding board for early 20th century free thinkers, and then abruptly changed its course to become one of the most famous recording studios in New York. Its nickname was the Devil's Playhouse. It's a landmark for music history, gay and lesbian history, radical history, which for all of those reasons makes this building a great addition to New York's history. The area that we know as the East Village today is really just the eastern part of Greenwich Village, or the northern part of the Lower East Side, depending on how you want to look at it. And it wasn't really considered a separate neighborhood from those until the late 50s and 60s. The land that would become 11th Street was, of course, originally located on the western outskirts of Peter Stuyvesant's farm, and was passed down through various generations, with parts being sold off for development. For a time during the 1850s, this part of the East Village was kind of a fashionable neighborhood, as evidenced by the building of the nearby Grace Church in 1843 and the development of Astor Place. But with the influx of immigrants into New York by this time, however, the land would soon become refitted for tenements, and the area became one of the most densely populated in the city. All those people in their cramped buildings would need a safe place to gather, which is what Polish cigar manufacturer Charles Goldstein had in mind when he leased this land on 11th Street from Peter's descendant Rutherford Stuyvesant in 1886 to build a meeting hall. The hall was designed by forgotten New York architect Charles Rents in a terracotta a red brick Queen Anne style with these large arched windows on the third floor. It was built next door to a Catholic school who, sensing the debauchery Webster Hall would soon bring to the neighborhood, complained to the city before it was even built. Goldstein won the argument. Today the school is long gone and Webster Hall is still there. By the way, I mean, I don't know if any of you are major terracotta fans, but that terracotta on the building is actually one of the reasons 
Webster Hall even got its landmark status, being one of the earliest and most rather attractive surviving examples of this style that is still standing in the city today. Webster Hall was completed in February of 1887 with an annex that was added four years later, one that had kind of a rather unusual feature for a rowdy meeting hall, an apartment for the owner's family in the basement. When the owner, Charles, would die in 1898, his wife would continue to own the property and would continue living downstairs in the basement right up to her death. Now, proper New Yorkers with sensible God-fearing values soon had very little reason to go into the building, although a 1932 lease stated that the building, quote, will be used only for catering, meeting rooms, dance hall, and kindred purposes, unquote. Those purposes, by that time, had been steered in a radical, often political, frequently outrageous new direction. According to the Brooklyn Eagle, in 1888, Webster Hall was a, quote, big, bare, dingy place where all the year round discontented men met to discuss their wrongs and sympathize with one another, and where secret societies and political organizations, labor unions, and similar associations make a business of pleasure, unquote. Its size and location in a heavily immigrant neighborhood made it an ideal place for major rallies. Labor leader Samuel Gompers led a contingent of striking brewery workers in April of 1888. Both the Socialist Labor Party and Gompers' own Progressive Labor Party made Webster Hall its home. Margaret Sanger, later to be known as the mother of the birth control movement, initiated a very curious protest here at the hall in 1912, filling it with the starving children of Massachusetts mill workers to underscore their parents' sorry work conditions. Another feisty lady, Emma Goldman, the press proclaimed, quote, high priestess of anarchy, unquote, threw a masquerade ball here in November of 1906 as a fundraising event for her groundbreaking but controversial journal, Mother Earth. And like so many Goldman functions, the police crashed the party and closed the place. However, Goldman's ball would be the first of dozens of such events like this at Webster Hall. These balls, notoriously radical and spiced up by village bohemians, relinquished any shred of respectability the place may have ever had. By 1913, the village party folks referred to the place as, quote, the devil's playhouse. The writer Alan Church later remarked, So many dances till dawns and fancy dress balls were held here that... One villager said of himself and his wife, We've sold our bed. Why sleep when there's a dance every night at Webster Hall? These balls, with their dozens of wild, wonderfully inappropriate costumes and parties with such scandalous names as the Pagan Routes, they became so well-known that it attracted not only the left-leaning artsy types, but actually attracted tourists from uptown, the curious upper class who wanted to see for themselves the salacious goings-on that the hall was now known for. All night drinking and dancing, women in revealing exotic costumes, and perhaps, well, most shocking of all, men in drag. That's right, the masquerades of Webster Hall became one of New York's first legitimate venues for the drag scene. Quote, these phenomenal men wear expensive gowns, employ rouge, use wigs, and in short, make up an appearance which looks for everything like a young lady, said one account from 1918. 
A party the year before called the Golden Ball of Isis attracted over 2,000 partiers. By the 1920s, gays and lesbians would sponsor their own balls here, making Webster Hall one of the first legitimate venues in New York that encouraged gays and lesbians to gather. But not surprisingly, the hall also saw many great names of art. Partygoers like Man Ray, Joseph Stella, Dorothy Parker, and F. Scott Fitzgerald. In fact, Marshall Duchamp famously swung from a chandelier here at Webster Hall. You may be asking to yourself how a place with such a notorious reputation would even be allowed to remain open, especially during the years of Prohibition. Webster Hall was shut down frequently, but it never permanently closed. The reason probably has something to do with the man who was rumored to have owned the club during the 19-teens and 1920s, Al Capone. Whether or not he was truly the owner, it's obvious that the city often chose to overlook the place with the right amount of under-the-table coercion, as they liked to do it back then. The place was so hot that it caught fire. Literally, four times. In fact, an inferno that occurred in 1938 killed two people inside and raged for hours, destroying much of the interior. It was actually bad enough that City Mayor Fiorella LaGuardia swung by to have a look and assess some of the damage. And each time, right afterwards, they just cleaned up and rebuilt. But after a fourth fire in 1949 destroyed the roof, the property's owners decided that a massive readjustment in the hall's purpose needed to be made. And so Webster Hall enters its dignified phase, as it was renovated for RCA Records, who then for 15 years from 1953 to 1968 transformed the hall into one of America's most important recording studios. So many classic pop, Broadway, classical, and jazz recordings were made here. The list is unbelievable. I mean, you've obviously heard of a few of these. Carol Channing's original Hello, Dolly. Ethel Merman's Annie, Get Your Gun. Harry Belafonte's Calypso album. Fiddler on the Roof was recorded here, not to mention recording sessions with Elvis Presley, Frank Sinatra, Itzhak Perlman, and Louis Armstrong. But the place hadn't quite retired from the rally business quite yet. RCA would throw up some partitions throughout the years and run out the hall on days that they weren't using it. They loaned it to Robert F. Kennedy in 1964 for a political rally. They loaned it to the nation of Lithuania, who was celebrating their independence with a huge gala that same year in 1964. And just to keep it all a little bit edgy, in 1967, that other side of the RCA studio hosted the very first New York concert by Jefferson Airplane. During the 1970s, the club then took on a slight Spanish flair, renamed as the Casa Galicia, and remained a rentable space. In November of 1978, a rather legendary showcase of Jewish Klezmer music provided the East Village with an unusual sight of hundreds of elderly Jewish people lined up, wrapped around the block, waiting to get into this landmark event. Now, just two years later, the club would see a lot more of these kinds of outrageous long lines, but this time as the 80s rock and roll venue, The Ritz. Artists like U2 and Depeche Mode had their American debut performances here, while Sting and Tina Turner broke out their solo acts to New York audiences for the very first time here at The Ritz. In the early 80s, a very young MTV would broadcast Ritz concerts on the weekends. The venue itself was the first in New York to feature video projection, a 40-foot video screen, in fact, just in time for all those Madonna and Prince concerts that would happen here. Of course, Webster Hall still showcases all types of performers today, but under its old name, which it finally reverted to in 1992. But the Ritz didn't quite go away. After a few snags involving the city and the club's liquor license, 
The Ritz moved out of the Webster Hall building to a venue uptown that happened to desperately need an infusion of energy. That club, of course, was the old Studio 54. Now on to the subject of Webster Hall's name here. Although it was occasionally called Webster Manor in the, at the turn of the 20th century, it pretty much has been known for Webster Hall for most of its existence from the day Charles Goldstein first commissioned the building in 1886. So I've looked at the exhaustive history by the Landmark Designation Board, and I've looked in many other places, but for the life of me, I cannot find exactly why it might have been named Webster Hall. So this is your homework this week. This is your homework assignment. Um, if any of you can figure out the answer to the riddle, you'd make this Bowery Boy a very happy camper. Um, why exactly was it named Webster Hall? If you have the answer, or at least a good guess, just visit our blog, BoweryBoysPodcast.com, and you can put it in the comments field, or you can drop us an email. Webster Hall is still open most days of the week, so just visit their website to check out what events that they have and go in and peruse these legendary hallways yourself. Thanks a lot for listening. Tom and I will be back with a, a humongous fat episode in a couple weeks. So have a great New York week, whether you live here or not. <laughs> <laughs>